Welcome to the Recharge Your Life podcast with me, Dr. Carrie Ulrich and Kelly Gunther. We are thrilled to talk to people who have made a decision that recharged their lives. Often, they pushed themselves out of their comfort zones and took risks. We want to know about that decision point, why did they make that decision, and most importantly, how can we learn from them? Kelly and I are passionate HR professionals, and together we co-founded our HR consulting firm, Abrachi Group. We have talked to amazing people throughout our careers and listened to them as they made decisions that changed their lives and knew that these inspirational stories would help others. And why did we call it Recharge? It's based on a book I co-authored called The Way of the HR Warrior. And in it, we have a leadership model, Charge, which stands for courage, humility, accuracy, resiliency, goal-oriented, and exemplary. We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're excited to have Tom Glazer as our special guest. A licensed psychologist and life coach with over 35 years of experience, Tom is also a best-selling author and yoga instructor. His book, Full Heart Living, Conversations with the Happiest People I Know, is an Amazon.com bestseller. Whether counseling, writing, or teaching, his passion for helping people live their best lives flows through. Tom, thank you so much for being on our podcast. We always like to start by asking what you do when you want to expand your thinking. Well, Kelly and Carrie, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Lately, I have been, um, really ever since um, the murder of George Floyd, which sadly happened here in my uh, hometown of Minneapolis uh, just over two years ago, I've really committed myself to um, studying anti-racism. So I'm finding myself drawn over and over again to Layla Sad's book, Me and White Supremacy. It, um, wow, it really it's tough. It's tough as a a white guy to, um, to look at all this privilege that I'm part of without even, you know, knowing it or wanting to be. So it really challenges all of us to look at how we're a part of this challenging uh, system that doesn't serve all of us. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Tom, for, for sharing that. I, and you're so right. Cause it's hard. I think it's hard to look at because sometimes a lot of us were very much raised with work hard and it's all equal, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of very American, anyone can do it. And then you start to realize it's, it's not very much and there's systems that in play um, that do not support that, that um, wonderful thought that we're all right. equal and, and, and it's all kind of level playing field. Yes. What is, and we're recording this on Juneteenth, by the way. That's um, right. So yeah, yeah. It's almost like we plan these things, Tom, but we have oh. no idea. We have no idea that you were going to say that on Juneteenth. No, I forgot it's Juneteenth. Juneteenth. Right. right. Yeah. What, what was like one of the things that I think it, for your, privilege when you went, holy smoke, I didn't even know about that one. Like, which is the one that kind of just maybe one or two that really surprised you? How it's just so endemic into our systems, how it's, um, 
how endemic it is in our whole system and way of being and that, um, yeah, we, we as white people really need to take the lead. I think we've sort of, um, you know, so many of us are, uh, you know, good at heart and think as long as we're not uh, actively racist, mm-hmm. um, that's enough. And it's not. It's mm-hmm. not to just because that's that's kind of a passive stance, it turns out, and that we actually need to take action. And, and I think we've just allowed um, black people, brown people, people of color, indigenous people to sort of take the lead. And um, when we as white people show up at demonstrations and organize them, um, other white people can't ignore it as much. Mm. So it's really, it's just, it's, it's incumbent upon us to get out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there's so much more, but that's what immediately comes to mind. Yeah. What have you, what have you changed since you've read this in the past couple of years? Like, what have you um, done since it's so, you're such, you have such a passion for it now. Like, what do you think, what have, what have you done in the past couple of years that, you, that have um, contributed to, to making the, a better world? Well, uh, donated money. I uh, showed up at marches. Mm-hmm. Um, the my recent thinking is that um, I need to just talk to other white people that I know personally about racism more. So that's what I've started just over the last few weeks. Is even though these the the conversation it's, it's uncomfortable to bring up. Yeah. I'm finding that it's not uncomfortable once you get beyond that opening. Mm-hmm. But it feels kind of risky to bring it up. It is risky. You don't know how somebody's going to respond. White people are uncomfortable, generally speaking, talking about racism. Right. But once we do, I'm finding really rich conversation. So that's my next step is just informally. So just when I'm out to uh, dinner with somebody or like I'm going to lunch after this with a couple of friends. Um, and thanks for the reminder. I want to be sure to... <laughs> mention that this is my next step. And I, and I, and I just start with, I just say, Hey, this is my journey. This is where I am. Like there's no expectation of how this conversation goes. I just want to begin to introduce, um, um, the, the idea of anti-racism and and just, what are your thoughts? What are you, what do you do? You know, and just, just a chat. And it's fascinating what people say just from this, that little bit of an opening. Yeah. I, I think that is so powerful because we all know, and you're you're in psychotherapy. You know, I mean, you're in that world, and mm-hmm. you know how the power of one person to have a conversation with someone yes. else and change that person's life. And yes. and it's so incredibly powerful. And I've seen with to your point. I was thinking, well, what have I? You know, I asked you the question, Tom, and so I mm-hmm. reflected on me. I'm like, yeah. well, what have I done? You know, yeah. and <clears throat> and that conversation and talking to people like I do some work in the, in the foster care system mm. and you talk about some systemic stuff that happens, um, in, in foster care and just simple things like getting a driver's license, getting a state ID. And you see how the system itself kind of keeps people down unintentionally, right. unintentionally, but it's so nuclear family focused mm-hmm. that, all of a sudden, if you don't have a mom or dad, the whole system's like, well, I don't know how to open an account for you or do anything. And so just having those conversations with people 
then start, they start to realize like, wow, that is a tough system. Maybe I should think twice before I say everyone has an equal opportunity. Yes. Right. Or it's why, why is this person late to work? It's like, well, they don't have parents. They don't Mm -hmm. have, do you know what I mean? Like all this stuff that we talked about because father's day was yesterday. We talked about parents and when you think about how much you remind your kids on things or how much you do for them. And then you realize, well, if you don't have them. Um, and so having those conversations are so powerful. I love that you're doing that, Tom. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. That's so, that's so wonderful. Mm. Um, and just the power of that one-on-one and changing people's lives. Yeah. And yeah. I was just thinking, I don't know if you've seen the, the latest out of Florida, which is usually nothing good happens when you say the latest out of Florida. Right. Yeah. Um, but I just, because Kelly and I are in HR, someone sent us that as of, I think it was July 1st, Cal, that they're having, you can't require DEI training that, that talks about systemic racism and, and privilege, and you can't talk about it. You can't require your employees to do it. So when you talk about the fragility, Mm. (laughs) there's an entire state saying we can't even like, you can't require people to go through it and you can't talk about it because it's too scary. Oh man. Right. Right. So, um, but to your point of it, just having those one-on-one conversations then is probably way safer for many more people than sitting in a class. It's right? a beginning. It's not, it's not yes. enough. It isn't where it ends. Right. And if we're not talking about it, we're likely not doing anything. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's a place to start. Exactly. Exactly. And again, it's a far safer space too, to right. have a conversation with your friends and to really just understand and have a reflection of like, wow, that is interesting. And that, yes. that I do question things about my life now. Yes. Um, so it's good. We love self-reflection. Yeah. You, you, you are Mr. Self-reflection. That's your new well. name. Your <laughs> Mr. Self-reflection. I, I mean, kind of, I can't, kind of can't avoid it, right? That's you just kind of how I came into the world. So <laughs> it's your job. It's yeah. Your and job. it's my job too. Job. <laughs> um, so let's get to the big question. We can talk about Today. this all the time. Let's right. get to Question. What is the decision that you made or the decision maybe that was made for you that changed the trajectory of your life? And maybe what are some of those charge qualities that helped you during this time? Yeah, I'll tell you, it feels like a little bit of both what you just said, a little bit of my choice and a little bit about chosen for me. I left my dream job, Carrie and mm. Kelly. I um, So I was uh, uh, in the counseling department at uh, a college, a job that's just like made for me because I was doing the work I love uh, doing individual psychotherapy with really smart, creative young people. And I got to teach Mm. and uh, not just teach any old thing or even like just quote unquote boring psychology classes. I got to teach wellness promotion. So things I'm absolutely uh, passionate about and do them in really creative ways. And um, I was determined my plan was to retire there, and I, I really I couldn't wait wait to get up every day and go to go to work, um, until things changed. So I for, for about seven years it was my dream job, and I was going to retire there. Uh, and um, a very difficult for me coworker showed up. It was, it was a very small team. We were assigned regularly, like we could not avoid each other. And this person just hated the ground I walked on. Mm. Um, and made, made my job really, really difficult, undermine things. And, um, I got depressed. I, um, 
because because half my job was still fun the in, individual counseling work but all that educational stuff that was what I was paired with this coworker to do and it wasn't fun anymore in fact it was it was really miserable and um I stayed and stayed and stayed until um one day my husband looked at me over brunch at Hell's Kitchen in downtown Minneapolis and said uh Tom because I was telling him like the latest escapade mm-hmm. he's like Tom stop you can't do this anymore you you this is not worth it this is making you miserable and and that woke me up you know i needed that mirror i needed somebody who knew me well to say hey you know look at yourself um and i it took it still took me a long time but i ended up leaving my dream job because it turned into a nightmare wow what what, when you, how long, so you said you were there for seven years, because I think Tom, this is such a kind of unfortunately common for I know, yes. people, right? Yes. That they, so you liked it. And then it's always about the people. Yes. Either you have a manager who's not, mm-hmm. or a coworker who makes mm-hmm. it. And so how mm-hmm. long before that, that brunch date, right? Where your husband's mm-hmm. like, that's enough now. Like what's going on? Like how long were you kind of suffering and, and kind of what was your thought process? Like it's going to get better or kind of what did you do in that? Oh, during oh, that? I was going to wait this person out. Um, okay. <laughs> I was hoping they would leave before I would leave. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and there was no indication that that was working and um, no, yeah, there's no sign that, that, that they were going to leave. And you asked how long? Yeah. Oh gosh, I can't, the timing is fuzzy now, but, um, I must've stayed for at least a year and a half or two years. I mean, I really mm. hung in there and I, I, I talked to anyone and everyone I could think of I, and, and every strategy, I, you know, I tried to reach out to the person. I tried to talk to the person. I tried to adjust how I was. I, um, I talked to my supervisor, you know, I, I really exhausted any avenue that was available to me. Here's the thing though. Cause I, cause also I did quit so that was mm-hmm. on me. So I, yeah. cause you were saying did was the decision made for you yeah. or did you make the decision? So the truth is I made the decision, but I also feel like, I feel like the universe was giving me a message, right? Like I was attached to this job. I was going to stay till I retired. Um, uh, but I needed something. I think the universe was saying, Hey, there's other stuff you can do. There's mm. other stuff. And I, and it would, there was no way I was going to leave this job that I loved without something big. So that's the conclusion I've come or the meaning I've made of it. Yeah. Who who knows? This is all faith-based, right? Is is there some cosmic thing? I don't know. I kind of believe there is, but I understand. I don't really know. Yeah. What? Yeah. No. Oh, I was just going to say, I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I would just, I was thinking, so as were you having, what were kind of the effects that you were having? Like, were you having trouble sleeping during this? Like, obviously your husband picked up on you're, you're not doing well, but like, what were some of those, like the symptoms that you were starting to see with maybe your health emotionally and physically? Some, certainly some sleep disturbance. Cause I would be upset yeah. by stuff that was going on, but it was more the mood mm. stuff more just, I wasn't happy. I just, Mm -hmm. you know, I was just down. I wasn't as excited about life. I was just like, another day. I wasn't looking forward to going into work anymore. Here's, here's, here's a thing. Um, I wasn't singing anymore. Mm. Like 
like I didn't know until I did something fun. I was able to be like an extra in a movie. Um, like the simplest silly, yeah. sounds kind of silly, but for me, it was like, um, I had, I had been a performer, um, much of my life. And then I had given it up to pursue a career and family and all that, but I always wanted to get back into it. And, and all of a sudden I had this opportunity to, to be an extra in a, in a movie that was filmed locally. I had such a great day talking to other people, mm. um, who, who, you know, had things in common with me. And it was, it was fascinating to me to watch the whole movie industry in action. And on the way home from, from filming, um, I noticed I was singing to the radio and I was like, Oh my God, I have not been singing for months. That's a, that's another indication of um, not being as happy, like not doing things that bring me joy. Yeah. Literally. I mean, I love it. It's like literally not singing. Like mm-hmm. you're like, I haven't mm-hmm. been singing and what, so take it. So Tom, take us to the moment then when you're like, all right, I heard the feedback mm-hmm. had the, you know, the brunch. Um, then you've tried everything. You've talked to your because that's what Kelly and I would always tell people, right? Yeah. Have you talked to a supervisor? Have you right. talked to a person? Have you know what are uh, you've exhausted everything? Yes. How hard was it for you? Because this is like you said, your dream job, and you're like, I'm going to retire, and I have mm-hmm. a plan. Yeah. How hard was it for you to say then? Take us through that thought process, and I'm going to leave. Still really hard. Really, I knew it was right. I knew Greg was right, yeah. but it was a huge risk huge risk. Right. And you don't, you know, with risks, you don't know what's going to happen on the other side. And I didn't have a plan B. I didn't have a plan B. So here, but here's the thing. So, so, um, it like things just evolved. I began. So then I'm like, well, I want to do something really fun. Okay. Because that, the extra on the movie set was so fun and I'm going to pursue acting again on the side. So I, um, I join acting classes and I hire an acting coach and I sort of, um, Oh, and in the meantime, so I'm, I'm, cause I'm down, I'm noticing really happy people all around me. Right. And I get really curious and I start just watching what, what do they do that I'm not doing or what are they not doing that I am doing? And then I get braver and I start asking them questions. And I'm talking just everyday ordinary people, like the guy who cuts my hair, a woman who office next door to me in my private practice, somebody I was in a play with, and it, because um, um, I'm studying with this acting coach, I suddenly have this idea, an on-camera acting coach. I could, I could like film people. I could ask people questions. These happy people, I could ask, or happier people, I could ask them questions. I could like do a series of documentaries. So um, I decided I'm just going to do that. I'm, I have this on-camera acting coach. He can hook me up with people who can film it. I'm just going to do this. I, again, mm-hmm. risk. I don't know what's going to happen. Um on break that first day of filming, I'm on. I, we filmed in my house because it's I didn't have to pay <laughs> for the location, and I'm on. I'm on break from filming, interviewing the ha- these happy people I personally know. On break from filming on my back porch again, another moment that I won't forget, like when I'm in Hell's Kitchen with Greg, telling me to quit my job. Like when I'm driving home from filming the extra thing, realizing I wasn't singing to the radio. Aha moment! Oh my God, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book about this. This is what, and I had known for years I would write a book, Yeah. but I had no idea what it was going to be about until that moment sitting on my back porch on break from filming these interviews with the happiest people I know. So that's how the book came out. So that's, 
that's kind of the evolution of how I got to writing this book. That's and what I what I love is again you had this plan. So many of us have plans. Yes, we're going to retire. We're going to do this. We're going to have two point five children. We're going to do right, right. And you were open to changing that plan and kind of it doesn't sound like you quite had like you said you didn't really have plan b you just knew i had to prioritize mm-hmm. my happiness my singing yep. <laughs> i had to prioritize mm-hmm. that yes and i'm gonna make this leap and so what what when you made the leap kind of what um what are some of those qualities that helped you like have you are you a risk would you look back at your life and say i'm a risk taker and it was easier for me or i was just thinking of other people who are in your same spot and they're like, oh, it, it was you know easy for him or not easy for him or how would it was you? Not easy. To, well, it's kind of both. It's kind of yeah. some of both. I would say I in general I, I don't shy away from risks like okay. some people. That said, I don't just um, you know jump off. Um, so so again, um, so I was at a bar mitzvah at a, a camp in uh, Northern California. The bar mitzvah party was at this um, camp, and there was like a ropes course thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So the, again, this is another one of these memories that's so vivid in my mind. And so one of the activities in the ropes course is climbing up like a telephone pole, and you stand at the top. Now you're all harnessed in; it's super safe, right? There's a what do you call it? A belay or what? A rappel or whatever mm-hmm. that I can't remember mm-hmm. what you call it. But there's you know a guide you know, holding a rope. So I'm totally safe. And the first time I try it, I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to do it. I-, I can do this. Right. So I, I just, I, I climb up the, the rungs on the telephone pole and I try to stand on the top and I fall mm. immediately. And I realize, well, wait, wait a minute. I, I went too fast. I didn't ask for help. Mm. Um, so I, so it occurs to, so I go back down and I say, Hey, do you have any hints? to the guide. And the guide says, yeah, this is how you do it and go a little slower. And so I tried it again and I followed the advice. I don't remember specifically what they said, but there was some trick to it Mm -hmm. and I was able to do it. Mm -hmm. So, so that's what I, so, so like, if we look at, like I had a guide, uh, many guides along the way, but I, first of all, I had my husband, I had Greg Mm -hmm. saying, you need to do this. And he was saying, not just, you need to do this, but I'm going to be here for you. Mm -hmm. It's okay. We're, We're out. You don't have to do it alone. I will help you figure this out. That's one huge thing. And of course, I talked to all my friends and my family and I said, hey, I'm thinking about this thing. I'm going to do it. And everybody said, you should, Tom, you should. Great Mm -hmm. idea. You're going to figure it out. And so I feel like that's a huge piece is the community, not thinking that we have to do hard things all alone. It's Mm -hmm. really finding our, our, um, I sometimes call it a a board of directors. Right? Who's your board of directors? Who's there when you really need them? Who's smart? Who who has been there before? So I talked to other people who made big changes, and they said things like, "Yeah, you're going to have a lot of feelings. You're going to think you can't do it. D- don't believe that voice. You know, mm-hmm. have that voice. You honor it, but uh, believe in yourself. You can do hard things, Tom. Remember when you did X, Y, Z? They'd remind me of things I did in the past." I'm like, oh, yeah, I did do that thing. I did ride my bike from um, Minneapolis to Chicago once. That was really hard. <laughs> I can yeah, do hard things. Holy smoke. Yeah. yeah. I I love how you're like, you can hear the voice, but don't believe it. Like, mm. 
Yeah, I, because a lot of us have that. I don't know. You probably not. You can't do it. You right. know, you can't do it. And then you can say, "Okay, I heard you, but I'm not going to believe you," mm-hmm. which exactly. is really helpful. Like, I'm not going to believe you. Right. Um, Just because we have the thought doesn't mean it's right. Exactly. Doesn't mean you have to give it all that airspace and time. No. no. As well. What when you? So I love that you have this. The, the passion of, you still have the passion of psychotherapy and helping and doing individually, individual counseling. Yes. You're now acting, you're rebooting that because you're like, yes. that did give me joy. Yes. And then you put together this, this book and this, in this happiness, what, what does it look like now? Like how have you kind of curated what you're, what you're working on now? So, yeah, so I did end up filming those, uh, I call them mini documentaries, but they're really mm-hmm. just interviews. Yeah. Um, so they're all available on my website, fullheartliving.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I wrote the book. I published the book. I did a mini book tour. Now I'm doing things like we're doing right this moment, podcasts, <laughs> which are really fun, by the way. Uh-huh. I, I meet fascinating people and we talk about really cool things, right? So there's these other things that bring me joy. So yes, that job, parts of that job brought me incredible joy. And there are other things that bring me joy too. And there's other ways to make a difference in the world. Mm. I love how open you are too, because do you look back? Do you, here's the question. I think I know the answer, but do you regret quitting? <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't. I do. The the truth is I miss parts of it still. There are parts of that job that were so fun that that Mm -hmm. I don't do in that way anymore. So that, you know, that's, I I do similar things, but there are parts of that job. Like I trained orientation leaders. I trained resident advisors. This Mm -hmm. is stuff that I know how to do and I know how to do it really well. And it's experiential learning that's super specific and um, it calls on my own history as a resident advisor in college and as an orientation leader. Some of my favorite jobs, hard jobs, but really fun jobs. Like I don't, that doesn't get expressed anymore. Mm-hmm. That part is sad to me. Mm-hmm. But so I do sometimes miss that. But do I regret it? Oh my gosh, no. We wouldn't be having this conversation right this moment. Right. I would Look not at- have written the book in the way I did. It's just exactly. part of part of who I've become. Exactly. Like you said, it's kind of this faith in the cosmic and you don't know, but look how it brought you that person who seemed to be such a pain in your tuchus um, (laughs) was, yes. um, But because of that, you have now look at all the impact you're making on on people's lives um, that you might not have made it in that way before. Right. Right. And I, so I just, I'm, I'm, in a weird way, happy that person came into your lifetime because now we know you, right? <laughs> right, exactly. We wouldn't totally. know you before. We wouldn't have that book. So what is, we always love action here. And yeah. now that you, you've cracked the code, you have this beautiful book in the documentary. <laughs> what are some of the actions? We already talked about having that support group, you know, having your, your group to help your board of directors, tribe, whatever people like to call it, but right. that support group. What are some of the other things you've learned from listening to people on the, the talking about happy and just the actions of that helped you get through such a significant change in your life? Yeah, so I'll just highlight what you've already uh, said that because it's so foundational. The number one thing that I learned from this project 
by far is that happier people do have that tribe. They have mm-hmm. people they love and who love them in return and they spend time with them. And um, that, that that's just by far, it, it's so critical. We're social beings as people. We, we need other people. It's just mm-hmm. absolutely essential. Number two, and, and so I saw that, I, I call that connecting with others. Mm-hmm. Number one. Number two, connecting with self. So what does that mean? That means knowing who you are, honoring your rhythms. Um, it means mindfulness, you know, being in the present moment. So when we are with other people, we're not distracted by all the memories from the past and fears of the future. We're really soaking in the experience of being together. And number three, connecting with passions. And this this we touched on too in my own story. So happier people have activities they enjoy, like the guy who cuts my hair, who I mentioned earlier, Warren, who's in the book mm-hmm. and on the videos, um, passionate bicyclist. He loves mm-hmm. to ride his bike and even having a major accident. This just happened a few months ago where, where he ran into a tree and had to have surgery on his jaw. You know, it doesn't, even that doesn't keep him from his passion. He's, he got right back mm-hmm. on his bike as soon as he physically could. So, uh, um, connecting with others, self passions, and um, being in the service of others. That's the other huge thing. Whenever you do any of those things, and these are all, by the way, very um, symbiotic. Is that the right word? So when, when we do one, we tend to invite the others. So when I'm connecting with myself, the more connected I am with myself, the more likely I am to want to connect with others and vice versa. When I connect with my passions, I'm likely to meet people who have similar interests, and then it helps me connect with myself. And I tend to then I tend to want to be in service of others. So, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, it's all it's all good stuff. Start wherever you're called. Yeah, because I really you're so right. They're so symbiotic because you do like you said your passion project around the the happiness. Um, you're like, that's a curious question. I'm going to kind of interview people and I'm passionate about that. And I would say passionate people tend to attract other passionate people as well. Um, because you're just, you're just, it doesn't even mean that you're passionate about the same things. It's just that kind of energy level. Right. You're like you're passionate about hair, you're passionate about bikes, you're passionate about garbage, you're passionate about recycling. It doesn't even yeah. matter. It's just, right. you have this passion and there's an energy and an attractiveness mm-hmm. that you want to be around those people who are excited and have exactly. kind of destination. Exactly. Um, and that community piece, I was thinking, um, Kelly and I, we always talk about, we would probably never start this company without each other because mm. we have the support, right? And half the time, Kelly and I are always saying, can we do that? We can do it. We, we support, we're kicking ass, you know, like we can do it. Um, and it's that support structure. That's so important. Nice. Like you said, it's oh. so critical. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kelly, I know that it speaks to you, the passion, cause that's why we do recharge your life. Like mm. that's why we do this podcast because we love hearing people's stories. It's a passion of ours. Right. Um, but that connectedness, Cal, what do you, what else are you thinking? Cause I was like, check, check, check. That's us, Cal. Tom is like speaking right to us. <laughs> there are so many moments, Tom, that really resonate with me because I think we've all worked with people who have been difficult and have challenged us to say, is it just me? Is it you? What's going on? Do I leave my job? Do I stay? Do I endure? Yes. And you have given, I think, a lot of people the courage to realize that there's something else out there. Mm-hmm. And that 
sometimes it is just having somebody like your husband so lovely to talk with you and say, you know what? I can't watch you go through this anymore. I don't want to watch you go through this anymore. I wonder if in the process of the research you did in the interviews, um, what was surprising to you when you were talking with people that were, that were happier? Was there anything surprising that you found out in the research that you did? You know what? Um, Here's probably the most surprising thing uh, is that we can't always guess. It's not always apparent who's happy and who's not on both Mm -hmm. sides. So there were several people who appeared super happy to me and I approached to be a part of the project and they said, oh, no. Uh, no, actually, no, I'm not that happy right now. So these were engaged people, you know, they were smiling, they were doing things, really good things in the world. And they're like, actually, I'm going through a pretty rough patch. No, this is not, mm-hmm. a, I'm not the person, but they would say, they would inevitably say, here's someone you should talk to. And sometimes those were people who didn't appear as engaged or as happy to me. And um, there's a family member who I won't name, who, um, I just assumed wasn't very happy because in my experience, they complain and complain and complain, you know, that nothing's ever right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that person, one day I was alone with this person and they said to me, I am so happy right now. I'm like, what? Who? <laughs> really? <laughs> and they couldn't even explain it very much. But then, I, but I really thought about it and I looked back and I, and I realized, oh yeah, their life circumstances had changed dramatically in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Our relationship had changed, shifted dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could see, oh yeah, 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 actually, yes, they, I, that, that makes sense to me. So, so the point is not to assume, not to assume either way, either way. That was really surprising to me. I thought I knew. And often, and often we're right, because often it's obvious, but often it's not. Well, that's always the beauty of, of doing research, too, is you go into it thinking one thing, mm-hmm. and then you're often surprised, either pleasantly or even unpleasantly, it doesn't matter, but you're, you're, you're surprised by maybe the turn or the twist it took. Yeah. Um, and, and the nuances of, of maybe the conversations that you have that allow you to see that, oh, this, what I thought was maybe an unpleasant family member turns out to be in the happiest state of their lives, yeah. which is, yeah, yeah, fascinating in and of itself. So fascinating. Um, and, and not to assume is just good life lessons anyway, right? right? I mean, uh, so it's, I mean, that's just, it's, a, it's just a good takeaway. It just in, in and of itself. Um, but again, just the courage that you had to make the, to number one, come up and say, you know what, I tried everything I possibly can with this person, the situation, this job that I was going to retire from. I mean, you had it all planned out for someone who had it all planned out to make that change and that shift. It had to have been, especially when there was nothing else in the wings had to have been incredibly unnerving for you. Absolutely. Hands down. Yep. Didn't, that's why I waited so long. One reason, a, mm-hmm. huge, a huge reason I waited. Yes. Mm-hmm. What advice would you have for someone who feels like, okay, I, I can't take it anymore in a situation like that, um, who maybe doesn't have something in the offing, is not quite sure what next step to take? Is there a recommendation that you have 
go to a loved one or a trusted other. It might even be a professional. Yes, is mm-hmm. to to say the words aloud. That's a big piece of it, right? Is just because because mm-hmm. it's different in our minds, right? There's ways we think that that tend to be um, we tend to think in kind of spirals or in loops. And um, when we are forced to verbalize things, something shifts in the in our relationship to those things. If it's a trusted other and a supportive other, so I would say uh, just have a conversation or a series of conversations. Often it's not just one that you say your truth, really speak it, and um, and and get that feedback like I did from Greg, my husband. Um, and listen, not just to the other. In this case, Greg, Greg was actually totally right. Um, but listen to yourself. You know, your insides, your intuition will tell you. My, my body was telling me for a long time before I was willing to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Such great advice. And um, I think, you know, for you, you've been the, the Greg to so many people potentially no. on this podcast. <laughs> Quite honestly, I think... Through, through just your experience and being so candid with us and sharing what you um, have gone through and what you have worked so hard to find within yourself mm. and how you've been able to bring the best parts of you into something that you love to do on a regular basis. And to be able to share it with us today, it means everything because that's why Carrie and I created this podcast. But so we could tell stories just like yours, Tom, mm. to people who are in similar situations or maybe adjacent situations, but they are looking for um, someone that can inspire them and maybe motivate them to do the one thing that they haven't yet considered doing. Right. And so we're so honored and grateful that you took time to, Mm. to spend your Juneteenth with us, (laughs) um, share your story. um, And we will definitely include all of your, um, your social media information, the link to your book, all of that in our in our show notes, so that's right. easy for everyone to access. And we definitely do recommend for those of you who are wondering, should I connect with Tom? Absolutely, you should. So we'll have all of his uh, connection information uh, within our show notes as well. Thank you so much, Tom, for joining our podcast today and for sharing your incredibly beautiful story. Oh, thanks. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abracigroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abrachi Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you.